What's going on, everybody? Welcome to a Friday edition of Texas All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter on a wonderful Friday evening, whether it's wet or cold or whatever. It's just wonderful because there's state championship football going on. There are bowl games going on. There's NFL games tomorrow. There's college bowl games tomorrow. I mean, it's a football smorgasbord. And good luck to the teams representing the greater Houston area. North Shore is going to be taking on Duncanville. That's going to be absolutely a blast. And I know PNG, I don't know if PNG is considered local, but I don't know that I can do it because they knocked us out of the playoffs my last high school football game, and I still carry a grudge. Um, so good luck, PNG. But I say it, uh, I say it grudgingly. No, I'm kidding. Uh, good luck to all the teams that are participating uh, in the state championship this weekend. So you, we've got all kinds of stuff uh, for a football Friday evening. We have got Chris Moore playing Jenga with Drew Doherty, which has become my favorite segment, I believe. We've also got DP Sidhu, who's going to go behind enemy sidelines with Joshua Briscoe, who knows the Chiefs inside and out. We got Houston Methodist minutes. We're going to hear Nick Casario's scouting report on the Chiefs, which is always fantastic stuff. We'll have Drew Doherty's final word with Chris Moore in addition uh, to the Jenga. And then Mark and I are going to do a little quarterback roulette prediction style. You, you'll find out. 32 NFL teams, who is set on their quarterback going into 2023? That is going to be some fun stuff. My keys and also my predictions. Man, we got all of that tonight. Right here on Texas All Access, but we kick off every Friday show with the head coach of your Houston Texans, Lovey Smith, who dropped in the studio today to talk about this one with Mark. Mark, take it away. Coach, before we get into the nitty-gritty of football, it's homecoming, so a lot of former Texans players, Texans legends as we call them, are in the building. And what about the effect they might have, if any, on the current players participating in the game? I, I, I think, Mark, you know, just a typical game, if you have family it's one, all right, I'm, I'm at practice. You know, I'm playing, I'm doing my best. It's a different. Now, when you have a family member watching you, mm-hmm. you want to really show him your best, do your best. And when former players come back, as they're like family members coming back, they haven't seen us in a while, and we just want to show them, you know, our best effort as much as anything. So that means an awful lot, that pressure to, to do your best in front of someone that's uh, – Worn the same uniform. You're playing a Super Bowl contender in the Chiefs. You played one last week in the Cowboys. Came oh so close. Team played well for the most part. So what can you take from that game and bring into this week, the intensity and all of it as you come home? Well, I think last week we're saying, you know, we're our message as coaches to the players, guys, we can do this. They're a great team, all right? But we can do this. We, we think we can match up well against them and have a, we think we have a chance, really have a chance to win. I think – Seeing that, that's what happened. So I think their, you know, players may even believe it even more. I think they believed it last week. They definitely believed it last week. But I think there's a sense of, uh, hey, we, we can do this. And hopefully we'll get a little bit – we as coaches do a little bit better job. And, of course, players make a couple more plays. Coach, this probably applies to every team you try to defend against. But with the Chiefs, how much of it is trying to figure out what they might try to do to you and counteract that, the game of chess, as you go into an offense like this? I think it's like that against them and everyone. Mm. Yes, against an offense like that. But I've said that every week of the season. 
you have a game plan too, Mark, going into the game. This is what we're going to do in these situations. But then you get into it. Now, this is what we think they're going to do. Now, this is what they're doing, and we have to be able to adjust. That's why halftime adjustments really do matter because now you have a pretty good idea on, on exactly what they are trying to do to you. And same thing with us. You know, we have a couple things that, you know, could give a defense, their defense trouble that they have to adjust and see exactly what we're going to do. You don't have Pierce, but everybody's got to pull together. So how much does that sort of inspire them, for lack of a better way of putting it, that, hey, they got to put out extra effort to try to compensate, if you will? I think the running backs we have, they've seen what we're expecting from the running back position. And Damon Pierce is setting an example of what we want in a tailback. But they've been around the entire time. And Damon, when he first got here, he wanted an opportunity. He knew he could play ball. I think this, our players we have here, you know, the three, three to four that we're going to address this week feel in the same way. What a great opportunity. They know we're going to be committed to the run and they're going to get opportunities to do something. Coach, thanks a lot for joining us. Best of luck. Thank you, Mark. We'll get Mark back in here to talk about our quarterback roulette situation a little later in the show, as in next segment. How about that? But we've got to talk about this injury report, the status report. I don't think I've ever seen one quite quite like this that I can remember and I've been doing this this is uh, year nine that I've been doing Friday status report uh, checks because this one is gruesome so let's start with the wide receivers receivers one and two as you would look at them I guess statistically Brandon Cooks Nico Collins both out Nico dealing with that foot Brandon with the calf uh, something tells me that we may not see, I don't know, maybe we see either one of them, I don't know, throughout the rest of the year. Maybe I shouldn't make any predictions on that. But I have a feeling we won't see one of those guys for the rest of the year, but hopefully one of them could get back dealing with that foot issue. But both of them are out. So top two receivers, out. Defense back Steven Nelson, foot, Derek Stingley, hamstring, both out. So starting wide receivers, starting cornerbacks, out. That's four of 22. We keeping, we doing the math here. Starting running back, Damian Pierce, out, ankle. How much has Damian meant to this offense? So now you're talking two starting wide receivers, starting running back, two starting corners, out, 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 out. Yikes. Starting left guard, Kenyon Green, ankle, out. And Taylor Stallworth, who was a, I don't say backup, he was part of the rotation against Dallas and played, played very, very well. I would think in a game or two, if Taylor continued that level of play, that dude would be starting. He's out. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven players. O-U-T. Six starters and Taylor Stallworth. Uh, oh, boy. Justin McCray, who missed last week, who is the backup left guard, he was a limited participant on Friday. He is listed as questionable. So seven players are out. So I, I don't think the Texans have to even put in active, inactive. I think everybody's just out. So, <laughs> like, there's your active, inactive list. Nico Collins, Steven Nelson, Damian Pierce, Taylor Stallworth, Derek Stingley, Brandon Cooks, Kenyon Green. All those guys out. Now, you are probably going to have to make some adjustments. 
Don't know if Justin McCray is going to play. He was a DNP Wednesday. He was a DNP Thursday. And then he was a limited participant on Friday, that hamstring. So if he's able to go, more than likely he goes in the left guard. If not, you go to Jimmy Morrissey at left guard to start in between Laramie Tunsil and Paul, uh, Paul Quisenberry. Scott Quisenberry. Gosh, get my Quisenberry's messed up. Scott Quisenberry. They've had all three of them here. So that, I think, is one solution. Receiver, we saw that already. We saw it last week. It would be Chris Moore. It would be Philip Dorsett. Um, Chris Moore, Philip Dorsett. Then you're going to have Amari Rodgers. And Jalen Camp was, I believe he was the fourth receiver last week, but he got injured. And so he was put on the reserve, injured practice squad list earlier this week. So there'll be another receiver that jumps into the mix to go along with Moore, Dorsett, and Amari Rogers. So who that, who's that's going to be? I don't know. Then you got the running back situation where you've got Dare and you've got uh, Rex. So you've got to have a third back. So does somebody get the call up from this Jared Dokes who came back to the practice squad this week? This, this week? Does he get the call up? Does somebody become the third running back? I, it's a lot of decisions to be made at this particular point. Um, defensively, I think we know Tremont Smith will go in at one corner, and we know Des King, who has been playing for Derek Stingley, will be at the other corner. I'm guessing they start. Then that, you have to reconfigure maybe your kick and punt returns because of Tremont. So you got a lot of things that you got to work out. Now, the good news is Kurt Heinisch is back. Laramie Tunsil was back from illness. Roy Lopez and Troy Harrison, they're all listed as being ready to go. On the Chiefs' side, I don't want to say this is good news, but Chris Jones did not participate on Friday because of an illness. He's listed as questionable. Kadarius Tony has been dealing with a hamstring for a while. He's a limited participant all week. He's listed as questionable. Those two are arguably the most dynamic players the Chiefs have on either side of the ball. So we'll see if those two, if those two are out, eventually, they're just questionable again. It, it helps. I'll just say it that way. It helps. But with seven players out, that is, uh, that's not good. So the Texans are going to have to really reach back for their fastball, figure out how the offensive line comes together. Jimmy's going to, if Jimmy's got to be a guard, you know you got Austin Deculus and Charlie Heck available. But I don't think either one of them could play guard. It might mean that Titus has to slide over to guard, and then you move Charlie Heck in. We'll see how the Texans uh, will decide to do that. But my goodness, that's going to make for a really uh, interesting afternoon to see how the pieces all come together. Now, we get back. Mark Vandermeer is going to join me. And we do a 32-team look at the quarterback situation going into 2023. Actually, it's 31 teams because we didn't talk too much about the Texans, and Mark explains. But – is that team's quarterback on the roster for 2023 right now? We'll talk about that next right here on Texans All Access. Welcome back to Friday edition of Texans All Access. I am John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter for your Houston Texans. And Mark Vandermeer stays with me to kick off this segment. All right, Mark, I've been thinking about this, and it hit me last night as I was watching the Seahawks and the 49ers. Oh, yeah. Are you ready for a little bit of quarterback roulette Quarterback roulette. Let, oh, you know I love this, Johnny. I know. I know. That's why That's Definitely why I brought this up. This. Okay. Let's rifle through the NFL and figure out what teams mm. are set with their quarterbacks going okay. into 2023 and what teams 
are absolutely going to find a quarterback in 2023. Mm. And which ones are kind of on the fence and which way you'd go with that? Okay? Mm -hmm. Ready. All right. Buffalo Bills, good? Good. Good. Miami Dolphins. Good. I think so. Yeah, I, I think look, so, too. Yeah, I, I think so, too. Now, I'm, I'm the narrative, you. I think here, you know, I know we're not going to deep dive into everybody's situation, into everybody's business. Right. right. But – the narrative could change on him if this does not conclude well. I agree. This could be like, look, it's very different, but Matt Schaub at the end of 2012, it was subtle mm -hmm. that it wasn't going as well as it did previously. Right. And then in 2013, it really didn't go well. This could be a mini version of that where it was going really well early and then it could go horribly because they play in Buffalo right. Saturday night and then we went over the schedule last night. Mm -hmm. It's not entirely friendly to them. And schedule schmedule, you got to play well no matter who you're facing. How did Dak Prescott look last week? I know he had that good final yeah. drive, but other than that, which was a big exception, I suppose, because yeah. he did pull out the game for them. But I would say they're okay, Johnny. Okay. I'm going to assume they're okay. Go ahead. Patriots. That's interesting. Mac Jones. I think, see, this is another one where narratives can change in the final four games. Yeah, what if they true. win three out of four here? They go to the playoffs. Maybe they win a game and upset somebody. Maybe they don't. Maybe they feel like they're okay because what are they going to do Look, other than the Brady rumor going back there, which you right. can't rely on that if you're no. them. And if he does go back there, they're going to keep Mac Jones for sure. So I'm going to say, because Brady's a wild card that we can't even figure into the equation. Okay. I'm going to say Patriots are okay. They stick with Mac Jones. But they do not stick with that offensive staff. They can't. No, they're going to do, do something. They and do our, something. They you know, you know who could end up back there. You never know. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Let's get to this one. It gets dicey. Okay. The New York Jets. Oh, this is so dicey. This is Zach Wilson will NFL. start this weekend against the Detroit Lions. Yes, and it's delicious drama. It's it really so is. Fun. The NFL is so there's a soap opera going on, and you know, Zach Wilson, all the off-field stuff, and Rob Sala, and we're keeping receipts, and you know, Mike playing well for them. Then all of a sudden we got to go back to Zach Wilson. Oh my gosh, how is this gonna go? It could go well for them. Look, he's capable of some good things. And I think it could go well. But as far as the future goes with the Jets, so this offseason, I think that somebody on that roster is going to remain the quarterback. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, it's White or it's Wilson. They're not going to make a move here. Okay. All right. I, I, okay. I mean, they might make a move, but it's one of those guys. Here I don't think they're going to acquire somebody new who's going to be a starter for them. Here are the four down the stretch for the Jets. Okay. And Zach Wilson, apparently. Lions this weekend. That's tough. At home. Thursday night home against the Jaguars. That's gotten tougher. That's tough. Sunday, January 1st at Seattle. Yikes. And then the the uh, closer at Miami. But White Ooh. could be back, right? He could be back, yeah. He could be back. If things go badly for Zach Wilson this weekend, White could be back for that Thursday but night game against the Jets. I think the Jets. the Jets can miss the playoffs and still feel good about Mike White or Zach Wilson. I, I, I don't disagree with that. It's possible Zach Wilson plays pretty well. It's possible. And they still miss the playoffs. Okay. All of that's in play. So I think it's one of those two guys next year for the Jets. They're not going to get somebody new in there. Okay. Chiefs. Good? I yeah, think probably. so. I think they're I think all right so. with him. Chargers. Herbo. Yep. Yeah. Raiders. <sighs> you know what? I think when all's said and done, they're going to keep him. Yeah, I think so, too. Somehow he remains, and they determine it. And I like Derek. You know this. I always root for Derek. Yep. I root for the Raiders to lose and Derek to do well. I think Derek stays in Vegas. All right. Let's get more complicated. Do it. The Denver Broncos. 
That's super complicated. I think there's a new coach and they keep Russell, but they have another option on the roster. They draft somebody maybe third round or something. Well, do they have any picks left? Yeah. (laughs) They draft somebody somewhere. They acquire some other option, a plan B at quarterback, but somebody has to come in and try to save Russell Wilson. That's a good one. I actually think that's the way it's going to go. I think a new coach, new offensive scheme come in. They dictate to Russell, not let Russell dictate. They dictate to Russell, and Russell can like it or not. What are their other options? It's not great. They can't draft somebody, Johnny, right? They're not first round picks. Right. So they have to go with the second, third round guy. I mean, I think that's their best overall option to go with a second or third overall guy, put him behind Russell. Well, what if one of the guys we're talking like, what if Mac Jones suddenly becomes available? You bring him to Denver to try to beat out Russell Wilson. If he can, he can. If he can, he can. I don't know. I'm just spitballing here, obviously. I just think think that's the best option, though, that what you started with, and that Mm -hmm. is new coach, new offensive scheme, leave Russell one more year. It just takes the the contract burn, and you hope, okay, this year was just, all right, it was hacking. That was the issue. We're going to stick with Russell one more year, get him a new scheme, and then everything will get better. Mm Mm-hmm. And then when it doesn't, after 2023, then you cut bait, coach says. And that's going to be the tricky thing. If they fire Hackett, what's going to be the first question that George Payton and the Walton family ask? Can you fix Russell Wilson? Sure. We've sure. been through that before. Because yeah. what was Gary Kubiak asked? Can you fix David Carr? Right, exactly. So, uh, But I think that's, that's where we're going with that. Okay. Oh, boy. Let's handle the easy ones in the AFC North. All right. Bengals. Done. Browns. Fine. Uh, maybe, but they're invested. Yeah, put it that yeah. way. They're, they're invested. They bought great. a lot of Bitcoin. They're yes. hoping it goes up. Yes. <laughs> yes, they have a lot of Bitcoin. Baltimore Ravens. Well, I think he's gone. I think he's gone because yeah. he's not going to get the offer he wants, and they could franchise him. I think somehow he's gone. Now, uh, I could change my mind on this, and look, nobody's going to hold me accountable, are they? Mm. I think somehow he goes somewhere. And the, the question then is, where? Where does he go? Okay, I'll give you one. I bet we're thinking of the same team right now. I'll give you one. Mine's in the NFC East. Mine's in the NFC South. Ooh. Yeah. So mine is in the NFC East, and it's the New York football giants. Ooh. You think that that well that would be interesting, that would be interesting. If anybody can make hay with with Lamar, it's Dable. And I think Kafka. Dable and Kafka could make hay with him, and they're watching Jalen Hurts slice up that division. Yeah, and Jalen's doing it both ways, and I think when Lamar is healthy, he could do it both ways too. Maybe not as surgical as Jalen has been, but he's much more dynamic. But are you with me that he's not there? I'm leaning that way. Yeah. I'm leaning that way. I mean, and, look, they couldn't and, get uh, it done in the summer. They're not going to get it done this no, offseason, uh-huh. in all likelihood, because Lamar's hurt again, and this is two years in a row right. where he's hurt. And, mm-hmm. again, the narrative on them is not yet written. They still right. have the edge in that division over the Bengals. Now, yes. a lot's going to change in the final four weeks, and I think they're going to lose that edge, but they're still gunning for a postseason appearance, if not a whole lot more, like a division title and home but I'm game le- and all I'm that. I'm definitely leaning that way that he's not with the Ravens. I'm not totally 100% in, but, mm-hmm. man, if I'm the Giants, yeah. I'm losing Barkley. Well, more than likely losing Barkley. If they lose Barkley, they can't. I don't think they can bring back Barkley and Lamar because the money is going to be insane. Now, they probably Barkley's not going to get a ton of money because he can't stay yeah, healthy. I, I don't think. And I don't the, think that's the performance level is not. It, look, it's great when he's totally 100%. Right. But then you get drop off and he becomes the focal point. They need a good quarterback. They they, yeah, right. Okay. 
But maybe Barkley comes back if Lamar. Man, can you imagine Lamar and Saquon together? Good night. Uh, Steelers, well, they got Pickett, so that's probably okay. Yeah, they're fine. All right, let's finish up the AFC here. Mm-hmm. The Tennessee Titans. I look the Tannehill number. We <laughs> went over it last night. It's complicated. It's complicated. I think that look. He's Wait, hold not on. Playing Before we dive into the hold on. Let's handle the easy one. Jaguars. They're fine. Okay. All right. Got Jaguars mm-hmm. out of the way. Go back okay. to Titans. Sorry. Uh, are we going to do us? <laughs> we'll leave us out of it. Yeah, leave, leave us, us out of it. Leave us out of this Leave for now. my children out of this conversation. I think we know where it leans. I'm, but I'm we're, talking we're, about your kids, not my kids. Yeah, right, right. Exactly. Uh, as far as the Titans go, all right, the uh, Colts, yes, obviously. They yes. need a quarterback. Yes, that's a And yes. the Titans, I'm thinking it's time. It's time. They're going to look at it and say, we got to do something. But Johnny, he's not playing that badly. He's not the reason for this. No, you're exactly right. He's not. So he maybe is they not keep the reason him. for this. Yeah. That defense, when you watched who was playing for that defense the other day, you kind of got it. Because Bayard was playing and Simmons was playing, but they were without Zach Cunningham and David Long at linebacker. I'm not saying he's perfect, but look, we've been through this. Look around, look right. around. Like they say in Hamilton. There's not a lot out there for you, yeah. right? So what are you going to do about it? Acquire and if this you- number is $18 million for next year, yeah, I might bite the bullet Ooh. and just go with it. Yeah, yeah go just go with it one more year and you figure know, it out. You know what would actually behoove the Titans? I can't believe I'm about to say this. It would actually behoove the Titans to lose the last few games, get bumped out of the playoff spot, and end up in the top ten of this draft. Yeah, they're not going to do that. I know they're not going to do that. That is so They're not going to do that, that. But that would put them in position to go get or make a decision yeah. on a quarterback of Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, et cetera, yeah, or put them close enough that they could then go from pick 12, 13 up to five if somebody happened to fall. They're in a bad spot. They're in a bad spot. They, they're still favored. By a long right. shot, or by by far, to win this division, absolutely, and host a playoff game, exactly. But are they going to be able to win the playoff game? I think Vrabel can be sneaky here and win a playoff game against just about anybody. I in think that so place. Too. Oh, I don't think there's. I a know question. he can lose to and just about anybody, it, and he can win it with Ryan Tannehill as his quarterback. Yeah, he can. I. They're they're going to stick with Tannehill because you think about the guys who might be available. Jimmy G to Tennessee. No, it's not going to work. It's not going to work right. that way. Besides. Is I, I, Jimmy Garoppolo is better than Ryan Tannehill? Yeah. I think we all agree. Yep. But is he a lot better than Ryan Tannehill? I don't know. I don't know. And Jimmy needs the running game. Jimmy's not going to carry the team by himself. No. You know, very few people on planet Earth can do that. But if he's got a healthy Derrick Henry, yeah, that would be good for them. I think Jimmy's ceiling's about the same as Tannehill. He can make ceilings. the same mistakes right. that Tannehill makes. I, exa- I think Tannehill and Garoppolo are the sa- they're the same. Box of chocolates. Same thing. Yeah, but I think Jimmy, you never know what you're going to get, but in the same exact way. I didn't want to word this this way when you went with the chocolate analogy and the eating and everything. Yeah. But but I think Jimmy's a higher quality of chocolate. Yeah, maybe. In okay. that box. All right, let's get to the NFC here. Okay. Eagles. Good. Uh, yeah, they're fine. Cowboys. Good. They're fine. We know the Giants are going to be looking for one because yes. Daniel Jones is – they didn't – they're not uh, going to re-up with him. No, they're not re-up with He's going to be a backup somewhere. You know what? He's the kind of guy who will go to Denver and compete with Russell Wilson and try to win that job. Let's get to – well, it's not really complicated. Washington Commanders are playing much better football. Yeah, this is with one – With Taylor Heineke. We're not ready to say because they just – they traded for Carson Wentz. It right. wasn't a ton, but they traded for him. Yeah. They're not going to trade for somebody again. They have to hope that Heineke plays well down the stretch and they draft a guy somewhere – 
and he competes with them. But if Heineke comes out ahead in a postseason situation, they win a game with him. Right. My gosh, because they're not going to win that division, but they can make the playoffs. They're not going to win on the road with Heineke. I love Heineke, but they're not going to win on the okay, road. Okay, give me. Him. Let me give you a scenario. No, I don't think they could. But get But making the, the playoffs might be enough to give Heineke no. the job going into next year. But he's got to have competition. Okay, wait, wait, wait. I'll give you a scenario. Yeah. I'll give you a scenario because team number five is going to be the runner-up in the East, right? That team will go to Tampa Bay, more than likely. Oh. The third team, more than likely, will be the Minnesota Vikings. You think Heineke can't go to Minnesota and beat the Vikings in the first round of the playoffs? I think he sure. I sure think he can. Because playoff cousins is like <laughs> nighttime cousins. <laughs> yes, unless you're in New Orleans with Kyle Rudolph. Okay, so we're waiting to see on the Commanders. Yeah, I'm waiting to see. Okay, all right. You I keep if I'm them, this? if I'm them, I stick with Heineke. I stick with Heineke, and I ride that horse until she bucks me. Sure, absolutely. I do that. Why wouldn't you? Because guess what? 2024 quarterback class is pretty darn good. Okay. Uh, NFC West. Now it gets interesting. It does. It gets very. It does. All four teams, 49ers. What do they do? Well, in 2023, they it's one of those two guys. That's all. They have them in the house, right? They don't have to one worry. One of which guys? It's either Trey Lance or Brock Purdy. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Right? They okay. got the guys in the building, and they'll just have to work it out. They, there's no way there's an acquisition. They invested way too much in Lance. They're going to let Garoppolo walk, of course, mm-hmm. and they're going to. Figure it out between Purdy and Trey Lance. And again, narratives change because Purdy won again on Thursday night. So what do you do from there? Purdy down the stretch. Does he look great? Does he falter? Who knows? You did invest a lot in Lance. You've really never seen him play on a consistent basis. So you really don't know. But I know this. Purdy looks pretty good. Yeah, he I mean, does. he there was a he play last great. night where he faked to the left, faked to the right, threw oh. over the middle to Kittle for a touchdown. And I thought, you know, it, it's it looks easy. Like the good ones make it look easy. But you got to have your head on a swivel because, you know, it was wasn't happening there. Pass rush. So they were somehow able to keep his body protected and clean while he made those fancy moves and threw to Kittle over the middle. And they had the Seahawks defenders head spinning on that one. You know, who used to run that play. Yours Mm. truly. I got it. How about this? I got it from Auburn. Nineteen ninety four. Who ran it? Auburn ran that play against Florida, and they would fake a screen to the left. All the linemen would go out to the left. The other half would go out to the right, and the tight end would just wait, wait, wait. I used to call it tight end delay, and the tight end would just wait, wait, wait until the last second. All the Florida Gators are Uh, right on. So he was waiting. He'd wait, but he he would pump. He wouldn't. I don't know if he'd pump, but he'd pump one side. He'd pump one side, look at the other, and then bang the tight end. Mark, they ran it three times, and it was open every time, and one one time in the fourth quarter, went for a touchdown. I was like, I'm using that play. So I'm coaching junior high football. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm putting this thing in. And, of course, junior high football, the season isn't that long. So I had gone to see the Auburn-Florida game. And I'm like, I love that play. I'm going to run this. So I said, guys, here, I want to run this, but I don't want to run it with a tight end. I want to run it with one of my receivers. So we were always like two tight ends and a wing because that's what we did yeah, in yeah. high school. My offense evolved from that. And so we did. We ran it. We ran it seven times that last game of the year one of them went for a touchdown and finally by the seventh time they caught on it was incomplete but it was just they all my lineman just took off like it was a screen and i just told brad brad dutter i was like brad you just wait you wait you wait and turn around and guess who threw him those seven times blake jones 
Blake Jones just of the National Football League offices. Fake it, fake it, dump it. And it was why I mean, Mark, the C's part. And that's exactly what happened last night. I just love the fact that that play is almost 30 years after I first saw it and everybody's talking about it. I'm like, dude, I saw Terry Bowden run that play almost 30 years ago in a different form. But now it's repackaged and it's sold to a newer generation. And they're like, that's awesome. Well, yeah, 30 years ago was awesome, too. I got it's a play great. for you out of the Emory and Henry. Are you ready for this okay. one? And this will work on the radio, folks. Okay. So everyone knows the Emory and Henry is when the linemen are out, the right. tackles are out. Right. So it looks weird. Then they usually come into the middle. They right? do. But keep them out there because we saw a play run. But Pierce went right up the middle. I'm thinking right. just you got to go to the one side or the other. So here's what you do. You play fake to the back because Pierce isn't playing. And then you whip around and you throw to the other side a receiver slants. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that'll be so open. It'll be open. It'll be the Red Sea yep. in that gigantic gap. It'll probably go for like seven yards. But <laughs> it'll be nice. It'll be a good seven yards, seven Johnny. Seven yards are good. Okay, yes. let's continue with NFC West because we know it's Purdy or Lance with the 49ers. The Seahawks, they sticking with Geno? Yes. Okay. Cardinals. Oi. Seahawks might bring in another option, but it'll be, it'll be Daniel Jones or somebody like yeah, it's, that. Yeah, I think Geno's yeah. done enough. Even though the last few games have not gone well, he's done enough. Uh, Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. All right, so he's hurt, and he's not going to be ready for opening day, you would think. Correct. He might be, but he might not be. Is Colt under contract? they got to decide whoever the new coach is going to be, because I'm assuming it's not Cliff, but it might be. Who knows? Hey, what if they get hot here? They're not going to get hot. They're not. Gonna They're not going to get hot. That's not. A team let's assume gets... if Cliff is not there. Let's just go like this. If Cliff is not there, Steve Kimes already on a leave of absence. I don't know what they're going to do at the general manager spot. Cliff isn't there. It depends on who the new coach wants it to be while Kyler is getting back because the new coach has to commit to Kyler. They did it as an organization. The new coach has to right. say, that's my guy. Of course, it's your guy. You just committed a big contract to him. So you got to figure out how to make that work and get a stopgap. You have to find the next Huntley from Baltimore, that kind of guy right. who can hold it down in whatever kind of offense you want to run while Murray's on the mend. McCoy, one more year in his contract. Okay, well, maybe so, they stick with him. Maybe they don't, though. Maybe they want somebody who's a lot more like Kyler Murray. I don't know. Whoever the new coach is going to be, that's going to be his that's philosophy. Going change, that'll change everything. You know, another question is, if Cliff isn't there, what happens to Cliff? Where does he go? OC in the NFL? He's not Ooh. going to get another head coaching no, job no, no. in this league right uh -uh. now. Not right away. So he could cleanse himself as an offensive coordinator somewhere and get another shot later. I'll tell you where he might go. College? L.A. Rams. He and McVay are close. Yeah. And the, they're losing Liam Cohn. Yeah, Cohen's going back to Kentucky. And so, so he'll always find a home there. Yeah, he's got a home he be, with the Shanahan tree. But can he's he be a difference Shanahan maker there? Jason. Can he be a difference maker? I don't know, but maybe he doesn't need to be a difference maker. Maybe can he can he, just kind of ride the McVay coattails. And maybe McVay wants, wants to hear a different – maybe he wants Cliff to give him a different side of life. Maybe. Yeah, that's I, true. I don't know. I don't know. I just, I just bring it up because he just strikes – he strikes me as an L.A. kind of cool kind of guy. It's just kind of Cliff, but yeah. either way. Uh, Rams sticking with Stafford, I would imagine, if he's healthy. Okay, well, this is also interesting mm -hmm. because Baker Mayfield happens to reside there at the moment. Ooh. So what do you do with Baker? I think a lot of it has to do with how you do down the stretch with Baker. Yeah. Johnny, what if they win? What if they go 2-2 two and two in the last four with Baker? That means he if went 3-2. Baker three looks two. good in the four, man. Wow. They, they have a decision. Do they have a decision to make? I don't know. Can they trade Stafford? Stafford's hurt. Is he going to be hurt again? They have to decide. Is Baker going to be a backup? Is that really the way you want to operate? You know, they did it on a short-term basis, but that was a magical night of NFL football it watching. It certainly was. Baker doing that. 
And I'm here to watch, you know, we're just talking about the drama of this league and everything. I'm here to see what happens. You know, I, I'm glad there's Saturday football this weekend. This is oh, yeah. awesome. Bowl you know? games, NFL games, it's, it's yeah, fantastic. It's great. So Rams. I'm going to say they, they, they got a, the guy in the building. Uh, yeah. There's okay. not a new quarterback coming in. But if there's somebody going out, here's what else could happen. Stafford comes back healthy. We want to go back to Stafford. Baker's a young man, though, in this league. Yeah, yeah. And Baker is all of a sudden tradable. They can get them effing picks back. Some of some them. Of Not, them. They, you can't get a one for right, Baker. Right, right. But maybe you can get a three or a, a two or something. I don't know. New York football giants. I keep I'm finding, telling you, I Baker, keep, this is the best thing that ever happened absolutely. to him going to the Rams. Now, if he can just continue this for the last yeah, four games. Continue. Wow. Okay. NFC North. Vikings, good. Lions, they're fine. I think they're fine. They're Goff fine. is playing at a high level. Yeah. The Bears. I'm telling you, Goff is playing so well right now that McVay is looking, saying, you know what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, exactly. they won a Super Bowl, so they're never going to regret that. But McVay's got to be thinking, I wasn't getting that at the end out of right. Jared Goff. Did I give up on him too early? Maybe he's thinking and that. And that might make him keep Baker Mayfield. Um, Bears, good. Yeah, they're, they're going to ride that wave. But Packers. They've. Do they have, <laughs> all right, so here's, here's the question for Team them. Team complicated. Wait, what year is love? He's like in his 10th year. Uh, <laughs> he's his third year right now. All right, so he's got one more year and then the fifth. Ooh, so they got He's. Oh, so they got to make a decision on year five for him. Yeah, right. Well, I'm going to say this. They apparently, have, he's going to ask for a trade if Rodgers stays. So either way, they have their 2023 starter in the building. Yes. They're not getting okay. a new quarterback in there. All right, there you go. NFC South. I, do any of these teams stay with their quarterbacks? Yeah, that's a good Because we don't know about the Buccaneers. We have no uh, Brady and Buccaneers. Gone. Panthers, they're not, I don't think they're going to stick with Sam Darnold and P.J. Walker no. going forward. No. The Falcons, Desmond Ritter, and then Marcus Mariota had a knee injury and stopped no, playing Marcus. or whatever. I don't Marcus know. Marcus is done there. And the Saints with Andy Dalton. Like, all four of those could be looking for a quarterback. Well, Jameis is still there, technically. Yeah. Or theoretically, I should say. I guess, but then they won't go to him. Is I he think, that hurt? I think is Lamar's it? going to that division. Somebody in that division. Look, you have two teams minimum in that division going for Watson, Ooh, you right? Know where, you know where Atlanta – I just said it. You know where he would be interesting is Atlanta. Lamar in Atlanta? It would be – yes, wow. that would be epic stuff. That really would be. Just that, as far as the I whole marquee Atlanta. value of it all. Yeah. I don't like the fit in New Orleans for some reason. Panthers, I just don't think you could think Carolina. Does New Orleans stick with Dennis Allen? That's another question. Oh, man. You know, he hasn't had a good quarterback situation to start out his second right. stint as a head coach. But but has he been resistant to go to Winston, or has Winston not been healthy? Does he want to go to Winston? Has he just been saddled with that? You does know, Sean Payton go back? If Payton goes back, there's another quarterback back there. I would imagine, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but you're right. I think it that division has the potential to have new quarterbacks in every spot. Okay, so so quarterbacks, Lamar go to Tampa quarterbacks Bay. that we discussed that are starters right now that won't be uh, next year, or well, I should say that are on shaky ground. Mm -hmm. I want you to find the one that you would put with Sean Payton going back to the Saints and make them the oh, Saints. Okay. okay, diamond in the rough for Sean so, Payton. Um, Russell Wilson, I, I just don't think he could do anything contractually. No. Um, Lamar. Yes. Tannehill. Matt Ryan. I don't dead. think Tannehill. No, um, Matt Ryan's done. Heineke. Uh, Daniel no. Jones. Maybe. 
it's possible that Peyton sees something in Daniel Jones and he, you know, I could give him a tweak here and a tweak there. The loser of Lance V. Purdy out in San Francisco. Ooh, now that gets interesting. One of those two guys with Sean Payton in New Orleans could get really fun. All right, let me put it this way. If Purdy, if Lance is the guy, Purdy's staying. All right, Purdy's going to be the backup. He's not going anywhere. They're not going to mess with that. They would be crazy to trade Purdy at this point. You're I think nuts. so, too. If, because listen, if Purdy wins a championship, he, he's Tom Brady. If yes, You keep it, him forever. Right, exactly. For but let's as. say he doesn't, but he looks pretty good, right? Yeah, right. But we want to go back to Lance because we think he's more talented. You're not going to let go of Purdy at that yeah. point either because Lance is going to get but hurt Sean again. Peyton takes the job with New Orleans. He calls up and says, I'll give you a two this year to two next year. They're not doing it. I don't see them doing it. No way. You do not let Purdy walk out of your building. And I know that a lot can change in the next four weeks. I'm with, but you, I'm be, still, I'm with you on that because you just don't know what you're getting right. with Trey Lance after the injury. Right. You, just, you just don't Hayden's know. Hayden's just going to have to pick from another pile. It's not going to be the Purdy Lance. Now, Jordan, Jordan if, Love with Sean Payton in New Orleans. If he, if he loves him. Yeah, he could make a deal for him if Rodgers stays that in could Green Bay. Yeah, and that, that could be fun. That, that could, could be, a, be his guy. It could be, but I have my doubts about Jordan Love. I mean, I think we all do because we mm. just haven't seen him on a consistent basis. Yeah. And when he here's has the played, problem is once he finally starts, he's going to be his fourth year and hasn't started but like two or three times in his career, and you still don't know what you have. It, with it's him. funny because I I always look for ways to make it work, and everyone always points out how long Rodgers sat behind Favre. Yeah. And I get that, That's but at the, the same outlier. Well, it is an outlier, but it's also, you know, evidence that it could work. And I, yes. I get pointing that out, but in all likelihood, it doesn't work. Yeah, it definitely doesn't work. What does work, you and I, that was good, Mark. Absolutely. Great time. Thank you very much. Thank you, Johnny. What are the keys to a win over the Chiefs? Glad you asked. Those are next right here on Texas All Access. In the words of the ever-famous Matthew McConaughey, all right, all right, all right, let's go. Well, I don't know if he puts a let's go in there, but I'm saying it. Let's go. And who am I? Well, I'm John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, and your host for Texas All Access on this Friday evening. It's time for my keys to the game. Each and every Friday, I do this. And with so much going on, we got to buzz through the keys, man. We got to go. We got to go, go, go to get through the end of this first hour. So let's do it. Talking about stopping the Chiefs' offense. They average 115 yards on the ground per game. That's 18th in the NFL. Passing yards. Not unexpectedly, 309 yards per game. That's first in the league. Also first in total offense, 424 yards per game. They have also turned the ball over 19 times. Now, they've only taken the ball away 14. Or minus five turnover margin. So, they will give it away, i.e., last week against the Broncos. The only reason they gave us close is because Patrick Mahomes kept throwing interceptions. Three of them, to be exact. So, let's stop this team. Now, the first key is what I call Chinese finger lock. And if you know what a Chinese finger lock is, you know you have to sort of think opposite. It seems odd, right? You put your fingers in the end, and then when you pull, thinking, well, that's what you do, right? You pull to get your fingers out. The lock tightens. So you have to think opposite. You have to push in and twist. Your fingers come uneasily. Well, stopping Patrick Mahomes, this might sound odd, sort of like a Chinese finger lock. You think opposite. Patrick Mahomes loves to get inside an edge rusher who is rushed upfield and then get out to the right in particular because he's right-handed, so he likes to dart up and then out. In fact, sometimes he looks for that escape lane. 
my thought is let him do it. However, plan for it. Trap him into it. Invite him to do it. Have your defensive ends keep rushing high side. Just keep going beyond the uh, right tackle there, uh, Andrew Wiley. Just keep going high, and then he'll keep darting in and out. Well, play your defense in a little bit of a trap. Invite him in. As soon as he drops and you got that rush coming up field, send a linebacker right now to be right where he's going to be. You know where he's going to go. Trap him, just like a Chinese finger lock. You would think, wait, that's what he wants to do. But use it to your advantage. That's what Chinese finger lock does. It uses it to his advantage because people are like, no, you got to pull out, you got to pull it out. You got to, no, 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 no. You got to think opposite. You got to push and twist and go. So you got to think opposite. Think opposite of what he can do. He loves to get out. We'll invite him to do it. But then trap him in it. Keep him on that side of the field. Don't let him, you know, use the whole field. Now he's only using half field when he gets out there. Trap him. Send a linebacker. Spy him. Whatever he does, whenever he starts to go out to the right, go send somebody after him. And then use the sideline as your friend. Okay. Travis Kelsey. Good gosh. In five wins over the Texans, he has averaged 7.6 receptions for 103 yards and a touchdown. In two Chiefs losses to the Texans, four and a half receptions, 46 yards, no touchdowns. It's that simple. Whatever you have to do to take away 87, and this is what worries me. The Texans could not take away Dalton Schultz last week. I think they're going to struggle with Travis Kelsey, and that worries me. But just keep it in check. You keep it in check, you got a chance. And where can they win? The Texans have proven that they can rush the quarterback. There's no doubt. Those guys have got to get to Mahomes quickly, and they got to force him into areas that maybe he likes, but then they've got to finish those finish the deal when he gets out there. Chiefs defense, 60 NFL against the rush, 106 yards per game. They're improved. Against the pass, 236 yards per game. They're 22nd. Total offense are 18th in the league. They've only generated 14 turnovers, making a minus five turnover margin. Chris Jones, I mentioned, is a, ma- a massive key. He is ill. Missed practice today. Does he miss the trip? Does he miss the game? Oh, boy. If he's not in this game, it's already tough enough going against the Chiefs front. But Jones, when he goes inside, and that's where I would expect him to be, is going to be a nightmare. So if Chris Jones wants to sit this one out, that's fine. He's questionable going into this game. If he plays, he's going to go against the guards up front, no doubt. No doubt. He won't rush from the outside at one time. He'll rush from the inside, and he'll get those one-on-ones in the guard. Nick Bolton. Received high praise from Nick Casario this week. I mean, high praise. And deservedly so. That guy is a house of fire. And last week, Leighton Vander Esch wasn't blocked at all. He had 14 tackles. Bolton's not, not, not blocked at all. He'll go get 20. And the secondary for the Chiefs, they're all rookies, as you heard Nick say earlier. They're all rookies. They drafted four guys last year. Four in secondary. Three of them are making big plays. But you got to attack them. Go get them. All right. Let's go behind enemy sidelines next. And... A little Drew's Dozen with Chris Moore right here in Texans All Access. We got one hour down, one hour left to go right here on a Friday edition of Texans All Access. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter for your Houston Texans. And, of course, I am so pumped to be with you and give you guys props for being the best fans in the NFL. And I got to give some props to our biggest fan out there, and that's Dykin. 
These guys are doing big things in Houston. Daikin, D-A-I-K-I-N, is the world's number one indoor comfort provider. Daikin is committed to perfecting the air that connects us all. From comfort and convenience to air quality, Daikin's innovations are changing how people enjoy the indoors as they lead the way to a more sustainable future, reducing our carbon emissions to net zero by 2050. Learn more at Daikin, D-A-I-K-I-N, DaikinLovesHouston.com. And we love DP Sidhu. And she sat down with Joshua Briscoe to talk about the Chiefs as she goes behind enemy sidelines. DP, take it away. We're going behind enemy sidelines. Joining me, Joshua Briscoe. He covers the Chiefs in Kansas City for Sports Radio 810. He's also the host of the postgame show and does a midday show there as well. I've chatted with Joshua many times over the years as these two teams have faced each other. Joshua, how's it going today? It's going great. I was really glad to hear from you this week because, yeah, this has sort of become a, a little tradition. I don't, I don't know if the Chiefs and Texans are necessarily rivals. They, they share a, a team name, I suppose, from Kansas City's past, but always mm-hmm. good to talk to you to look forward to one of these games. Absolutely. All right. So Chiefs are 10 and three. If they win here on Sunday, they lock up the AFC West. Um, is it just a foregone conclusion that the Chiefs make the playoffs this year or Is there a little bit of excitement when the Chiefs do eventually win the the division about how much those other teams had really invested in the offseason? And yet the Chiefs have just come out firing pretty much on every in every statistical category on offense. Yeah, I mean, it's a good question because it is so multifaceted whenever it feels like they're winning their 50th consecutive AFC West. It can get easy to take that for granted because it is sort of the default here. But that wasn't supposed to be the case this season where the Chiefs really did retool the rest of the AFC West really loaded up. And the Chiefs are in all likelihood going to clinch this thing before Christmas nonetheless. So uh, it has been a very unique season following all of the hectic stuff that happened this offseason in the AFC West. All right, so they lose Tyreek Hill, but yet that hasn't slowed Patrick Mahomes down one bit. He's already thrown 33 touchdowns. He's eclipsed 4,000 passing yards. How does his performance this season compare to the other seasons that you've covered Mahomes? In, in some ways, it's the most impressive year for him, specifically because of all the retooling, the weaponry changing, and, and Tyreek Hill no longer being here. Uh, and in other ways, it's been kind of a frustrating one. Like in this game against the Broncos last week, he made three mistakes on three interceptions that are pretty uncharacteristic for him. It's not like he's been some sort of turnover machine. That Broncos game is certainly the outlier. But his ability to take this offense and with a huge new cast of pass catchers, like you've said, they're just chugging along, being as productive, if not even more productive than ever. So it's been a little bit disjointed at times, especially as those pass catchers have dealt with some injuries this year. But Mahomes, by and large, unsurprisingly, has been excellent. I'm glad you brought up that Broncos game because I was wondering how much of a concern is that game heading into this Texans game? Because the Chiefs, they had a 27-0 lead in the second <laughs> quarter, but you're right. Then Mahomes throws the three interceptions. And the defense basically leaves the door open for the Broncos, who had never scored 28 points this season, and that was their season high. So what is the team talking about this week as they're sort of coming off that win, which kind of weirdly felt like a loss? Yeah, it was so strange, right? The the Chiefs won that game 27 to nothing, and then the game continued to be played. It's kind of what it felt like (laughs) around here. You know, you saw... Travis Kelsey, like on the on the bench with his arms out, just a big smile on his face after the Chiefs scored a defensive touchdown to, to be up almost 30 in the first half. And then, as you said, the Mahomes mistakes, the defense really couldn't stop the bleeding. And so you end up with one of those games that, yeah, I, I don't know if moral victories are really a thing, 
but moral losses shouldn't be. Oh, uh, okay, obviously, yeah. <laughs> they, they, they did enough to control that game, right? They, it was never really, really, really in danger, but the Broncos offense by the end was legitimately testing this defense. So it, it was one of those sort of sour games that you think, all right, maybe we don't need to take too much away from this, but it absolutely is in my mind coming into this game because I'm really intrigued to see if the Chiefs try to, to, to make the Texans the, the get-right game for putting a team away early on, or is this going to be another time where you see some later mistakes, and could those end up even coming back around to impact the Chiefs in the playoffs this year as well? The Chiefs' run game is super intriguing to me. I mean, yeah. it's obviously always taken a backseat to the passing attack, but this year they've really had to shuffle their running backs quite a bit. How do they like what they've seen so far from that duo of Isaiah Pacheco and, and Jarek McKinnon? And then you've got Melvin Gordon on the practice squad. So yeah. is there a chance that he plays this year? Or, or what, you know, what are the plans, do you think, for this run game moving forward? It, it might legitimately be the most interesting or at least the most exciting group on this Chiefs team because obviously they draft Clyde Edwards-Hilaire with that first-round pick, the last pick of the first round back in 2020. He's had some injury issues, but also just his performance has left a little bit of meat on the bone, you could say. So then he gets injured again this year. And then Isaiah Pacheco, the seventh round draft pick out of Rutgers, he ends up just a totally different gear that I haven't seen a running back have in a Chiefs uniform for a long time, at least going back to Kareem Hunt. Pacheco just moves with an intensity and an explosiveness. You'll see it on Sunday where he is violent, but also quick. He, he has the energy, not just with the ball in his hands, but no kidding. Watch for this on, during the game running from the sideline back to the huddle. He moves that route more quickly and more aggressively than any player I've maybe ever seen at the NFL level. And then Jarek McKinnon, they just trust wholeheartedly and with good reason. He's sure-handed. He's an excellent pass catcher, but really more than anything else, he's an excellent pass protector, which really gets you on the field a lot in an Andy Reid offense. You mentioned Melvin Gordon. He's on the practice squad, a relatively late addition just a couple of weeks ago. Could definitely see him maybe back in time for their second game against the Broncos. little revenge game there. I could see it. And then Ronald Jones was like a pretty big signing this offseason, and he was inactive all year long until Clyde got hurt. And now he's gotten just a tiny bit of work there. But really, it's about the two-headed monster. Pacheco has so much juice to his game. And McKinnon is so well-trusted as the veteran, specifically on obvious passing downs, that I really think they've got their one-two punch. And it's not with the first-round pick. It's not with the big names. It's a seventh-round pick and a veteran journeyman. And McKinnon and Pacheco really are that duo for this team now. So the Texans played the Cowboys last week. Last week, all over the news was Odell Beckham Jr. Is he going to sign with the Cowboys or not? Now it seems like he's not going to play until the postseason. And I got to ask, with the Chiefs losing Tyreek Hill, are they in at all in this OBJ sweepstakes, do you think? There have been reports that they've been kind of keeping tabs on each other, the, the Chiefs and Beckham, and I think they would be wise to do that, both parties. I also, at this point, have a very close to 0% uh, interest, or really, I guess, belief that, mm. that that match is going to happen. And then if it does happen, that there would be dividend this season. If he wants to continue that tour this offseason for next year, I would be 100% interested in that. But the reports about his knee and a very understandable recovery timeline makes me think that he wouldn't be able to get here quick enough to really become comfortable in this offense for a postseason run. And really, ultimately, uh, you got to keep in mind that McCole Hardman has been on IR for the last handful of weeks, and Kadarius Toney, the recent addition from right before the trade deadline, he's now missed some time with his hamstrings. Those two guys, I think, are going to be the two that give the Chiefs another gear whenever they return. Well, a guy that we're very familiar with here in Houston, Justin Reed. We've been chatting yeah. about him a little bit because he's been in the news. 
And uh, he wasn't quite like this when he was in Houston, but <laughs> he's gotten himself into some Twitter scuffles recently. So a little bit of trash talking against the Bengals. How has he been viewed in the locker room there? And and what are your thoughts on Justin Reed and, and what's been going on with him so far these past few weeks? Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Like I, I expected that's pretty much the reputation that he came to Kansas City with was like not not a you know big smack talker or anything. No. But this Bengals game, this Bengals game had a lot of a lot of energy to it, even though obviously Reed was in Houston and not with the Chiefs last year. But the did the Chiefs season in the AFC championship game last year. They clearly had that game circled. Justin Reed said as much. But then he gets into the matchup stuff and calling guys' numbers, and then he's tweeting, and then Jamar Chase is tweeting, and then there's something about tuna in a can. And it was very weird because Justin Reed's not that guy and the Chiefs never have that guy. So uh, Justin Reed now, I believe, has had a two conversations with Andy Reed about some of the oh. uh, some of the Twitter interactions, because even after the game, he tweeted something along the lines of I was right. He was he still right. Down. Yeah. Yes. Cry about it, I believe, was the sign off on yep. that one, which <laughs> I didn't think put Justin Reed in a very flattering light for a guy who up until literally the Bengals game unanimously believed and understood to be one of the best talkers at the podium to be one of the best interviews you can get from absolutely the team. Uh, a yeah. cerebral guy on the defense who Steve Spagnuolo has really been relying on I mean really good stuff from Justin Reed and then what felt like a really out of character week or so and then after what I believe would have been the second conversation with Andy Reed he uh, he declines to, to comment anymore on all of that and I think he's probably going to be a little bit more buttoned up the rest of the season it's been very fascinating to watch because you're right. I was like, I don't know what metamorphosis happened to Justin Reed in Kansas City, but it's been a lot of fun to watch from afar on Twitter. But I'm I'm sure that the the Chiefs and Andy Reed have got that all buttoned up now heading into this final month of the season. Joshua, appreciate the time as always. Joshua Briscoe, he covers the Chiefs up in Kansas City for Sports Radio 810. Joshua, always a pleasure catching up. Always a good time. Thanks, DP, for having me. Great stuff, Joshua, and, of course, DP City doing a great job going behind enemy sidelines. Now, for the last, uh, oh, man, I don't know how many years we've been doing Drew's Dozen. It's been a while. Drew has been doing fantastic non-football question asking of the Houston Texans. Well, this year he decided to throw in a game of Jenga, and that has gotten exciting. The players are destroying Drew. Now, I don't know if that's going to continue here with Chris Moore. But knowing how competitive Chris Moore is, I got a feeling that Drew's in for a lot of trouble playing Jenga. But he's never in trouble when he gives us a little Drew's dozen with one of the great Texans. And this one, Chris Moore. Drew, hope you win. Grew up in Florida, played his college ball brilliantly at Cincinnati, and he's been in the league for quite some time. Had the game of his life at Dallas. And I say he was in. That was a touchdown. We're talking about Chris Moore, wide receiver. It's great to be with you. Thank Thanks you. so much for coming on. Appreciate you having me. we got to play some Jenga. I still have not won this game against all of you guys this year, and I've played it before every single contest. Remember, you can't pull from the top three, only one hand. You go first. Dang, you, wait, so you haven't lost yet? I'm like the Washington Generals. Okay, that's making me feel Against good. the Harlem Globetrotters. So the pressure is on, my friend. And you'll pull, you'll read, and you'll answer the question. I pull, I'll read, and you answer the question. So we're finding out about you, Chris Moore. Who was your favorite NFL player growing up? For me, that was Larry Fitzgerald, because the way he, uh, he caught the ball, he caught everything. And yeah. so that's, I always like watching him play. Prolific. Yes. Prolific. I think he only has like one or two drops in like his career. That's amazing. Really? Yeah. Holy cow. Crazy number like that. That is wild. Ooh, who has the cleanest locker on the team? The cleanest locker on the team? Yeah. 
Is yours? The My locker is pretty clean, but I wouldn't. I don't. I wouldn't say it's the cleanest. Not that clean. Okay. Like, We've heard Rex Burkhead before. Rex is a good one because he, he's he's that he got that personality where he's very regimented. Him. It's probably between him and Jeff. Jeff Driscoll or Rex Burkhead. They're okay. Two very yeah organized and. Which teammate has the most inaccurate Madden rating? Most inaccurate Madden rating. Hmm. Yeah. I feel like me. I was just talking to uh, Matt about this. They have my speed at like an 88 or 89. I'm like, man, I can't be that slow. Yeah, you're yeah. faster than that. Like, that's terrible. Miles Garrett is faster than me on there. There's no way. I know he's fast, but come on, man. But he's not beating you in a race. No. You ran, you ran track growing up, right? Yes. What were your vet? 100, 200, all yeah, that I was stuff? I anchor for the 4x1, okay. uh, jumping events, hurdles, Yep. all of that. You did the hurdles, huh? Yes. You got to be brave to be a hurdler. Oh, yeah. Doesn't matter what the distance is. If you're doing that, you're brave. Hey, which teammate could play on the other side of the ball? I think Dez King could. Yeah. He got very good field awareness, and he's able to cut. That's why he's so good at punt returning. Mm-hmm. So I think he could play back, maybe even a little slot receiver. That's a good one. He's not been brought up before, but it makes all the sense in the world. He's just a good football yeah, player all around. Definitely. Yeah, that, that's a great one. He's a baller. Yeah. Ooh. What is your first memory as a kid? Good one. Grew up in right outside of Tampa or in Tampa? Yes, but when I was very, very young, I was actually born in Orlando. Oh, okay. I moved to Tampa when I was younger. So I guess it would. Probably, it had to be... When I was playing in a f- flag football league there in Orlando, quarterback, he was a little older, and he had, a, like, a real strong arm, threw the ball to me, knocked me out. Really? Hit me in the head and knocked me out. <laughs> I'll never forget that. As my mom was screaming and running because oh. she had the little camera. Sure, sure. Dropped the camera, started sprinting towards me, so oh, I'll never forget that. You were ultimately okay, though, right? Yeah, I was fine. Yeah. It just Pretty scary moment. It just really funny. Yeah. What would your superpower be? To teleport. So just just be anywhere. I want to be in Fiji. I want to be in yeah. Yes. Okay. Where would you teleport to right now, if you didn't have a game to play right now? Uh, probably to Cincinnati. Get some Skyline Chili. Get some Skyline Chili. Yeah. <laughs> and timeout for those that don't know, Skyline Chili is. It's not just chili. It's what? Well, it depends. I get the cheese coney, which is a hot dog mm-hmm. with chili and a bunch of cheese on it. Over pasta. Well, that's a three-way. That's a three-way. Yeah, you can get, like, the spaghetti pasta with the chili over it. Gotcha. It's really just the chili and a bunch of cheese. Got it. And you can serve it up how you want it. But you are a Skyline chili guy. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. It's important to you. Okay. That's a good spot. I haven't had it in a while, so I'm missing it. Who is your celebrity lookalike? Who's that? I don't think I got one for that one. You don't have one? Nobody says, oh, you look like so-and-so? Marvel or DC? Which one do you prefer? I would say I really don't watch those movies like that. I know people, I don't like superhero movies, to be honest. No? What type of movies do you like? I really don't watch movies. No? My wife controls the TV. <laughs> so what are you guys watching at home? She be watching Housewives and stuff like yeah. that. I, I play the video game. That's what I, I do. Below Deck? Do you all watch Below Decks ever? I have seen that show. That's, that's crazy. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's a good show, but. Pull you in. I will say, probably got Marvel, because I like Spider-Man more. Spider-Man? He's, he's with Marvel, right? I want to get it wrong. I think so. Yes, okay, yes, he is. Yes, he is. To... I don't know comics that well either, but yes, he is. Okay. His Marvel. Were you a Disney or Nickelodeon kid? Let's go back. I was outside most of the time, but between the two, I definitely watched Nickelodeon more. Who has the best hair on the team? Best hair? Yep. Roy, for sure. Roy Lopez. Okay. Yes. Okay. It's long, long and flowing. Got a little shine to it. You know what I'm saying? So I'd give it to Roy. Definitely okay. the best hair. All-time favorite retired NFL player. That almost follows along the same lines. as is, is Larry Fitzgerald or Randy Moss, both of them? Those are good ones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they kind of fall in that same category. Look at oh that. Who on the team? Do you, first of all, do you have sisters? No. Oh, okay. Well, that's, this is good then. Okay. But if you had sisters, do you have brothers? Yeah. Two. 
two. Older? Two, two younger brothers. So you're the big brother. Okay. Yes. Let's say you had a sister. Mm-hmm. Who on the team, on the Texans, would you not let date your sister? Dang, that's messed up. <laughs> I think we got a bunch of pretty good guys in the locker room, so. Clearly. That's a tough one to, it'd definitely be a defensive player. Okay. I just don't, I guess it's just a. We were just talking about Hairston last, you know, like a moment ago. Last week, Dario Gumbawale said, Hairston's a really nice guy, but I've seen him on the field and he's really aggressive, and I just don't want anybody aggressive like that around my that's, sister. That's a good point, but <laughs> no, nah, I think Troy is a, a good dude. I'm thinking about like, it's a defensive player. Defensive, Maybe yeah. anybody on defense. So okay. I'm just saying the whole defense. Favorite nickname. I guess people on the team think I change personalities on game day, so they call me C-Murder. C-Murder? Yes. Whoa. That's probably my favorite one. Because you're all business. Business. I go out there. Whatever it takes to get the job done. Exactly. I can see that. I mean, the way you, you attack the ball, I can totally see that. Blocking yeah. don't matter. Running special teams. So. C-Mo is one, but that's that's taking it to another that's, level. That's I like big. it. <laughs> I respect that. It means you care. What is the best piece of advice you've ever been given, Chris Moore? Try to be patient in everything you're doing. It's easy to, to get caught up in moments and want to rush things to have it your way and just to be patient. I feel like low-key in my NFL career, that's been how I live. It's been a long time since I had a, a day like I did uh, this past Sunday. Yeah, yeah. It's patience. It was a hell of a day, too. Yeah. It was, it was a great day. It's worth the wait, for Who sure. gave you that patience advice? It's good advice. True. I think it was my mom, because I was definitely a kid who really wanted things now in my way, and you got to learn how to... Sit back and be, relax. So this has got to be. Who is your favorite teammate to sit next to on the plane? Okay, yeah. Who's your favorite? So we kind of got assigned seats, but I sit near Troy, and me and him always talking because we both watch anime. So me and him always talking about oh. shows. He's really into it, so he gives me all the good shows to watch. Anime, Troy. Why don't you tell us these things? Come yeah. on, he yeah, didn't even. That's, come. that's his thing. That's his thing. And then DP sits next to me. He's always, everybody knows he's a character, so he's <laughs> always a great guy to sit next to. I bet that is a fun, fun ride. Okay. Favorite potato chip flavor? The sweet chili Doritos. Favorite cheat meal? Oh, yeah. It's easy for me. What's that? Any, a cheeseburger. Oh, okay. What's on your perfect cheeseburger? That should be a question on here, right here. We got three patties, bacon, grilled onions, Pickles, mayonnaise, ketchup, mustard. Mayonnaise, ketchup, mustard, okay. What's your guilty pleasure song? Yeah, like you're in the shower, you're in a car, there's nobody else around, you start singing. But if there were somebody around, you kind of get quiet, you'd be like, you change the channel. It's probably like the the Trolls soundtrack, because that's my daughter right now, that's the movie she's watching. And sadly, I know all the songs, because how many times she watched it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When that pops in my head, I definitely, I went and sing that in the locker room, or played in the locker room. the feeling. That way, yeah, the Justin Timberlake, yeah. We both have little kids, bro. Yep. They run the house. That's right. All right. Whoa! Chris, hey, I'm it's always fun playing with yeah, you, my friend. Awesome. Great to see you. There is nothing like a Jenga board being toppled. Well, the only other thing that can match up to that is if I go undefeated with my picks, they are next, straight up against the spread for fun, for fun, for all NFL games this weekend. Stay with me right here on Texans All Access. Well, you know it's Friday night, and that means the games are coming up on Saturday and Sunday this week in the NFL, and that makes it fun for me, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, your host for this evening, to talk about all the games that are going on. I like to do my predictions straight up and against the spread. It's always fun to talk about these games in that way. Ready? Get my music. Let's 
rock. Now, Thursday night, I would have gotten this one because I think the 49ers are the best team in the NFL right now. 21-13, Brock Purdy got it done against the Seahawks. They scored early and often, got a 21-3 lead early in the third quarter, took the foot up the gas a little bit and let Seattle back in it, but they finished it 21-13 up in Seattle. Purdy, 217 yards, two touchdowns. McCaffrey ran for over 100 and a touchdown. Kittle had two touchdowns and 93 yards receiving. 49ers lead to 10-4. So that sets up our games on Saturday. First one, Colts-Vikings in Minnesota. Early game on a Saturday. I think typically I'd lean home team. This one definitely leaning home team. The Vikings last week were a mess up in Detroit. A mess. I think they bounced back. They got a three, they're a three-and-a-half-point favorite. I think they win in cover. That over the Colts. The Colts are maybe an even bigger mess right now, and we'll see what happens with the Colts going forward. I think a lot of decisions have to be made for every team in the AFC South, but definitely the Colts because, well, they've got a head coaching job opening right now, if you think, unless Jim Mercer decides that Jeff Saturday is his guy, which I don't see happening, but all right, rock on. But either way, Vikings going to win that. They're going to get to 11-3, and three, and they're going to cover that three-and-a-half-point spread. Ravens are going to the Browns. Browns are favored by three at home. And I have a hard time going against my heart and my head, and they both say Ravens. So we need the Ravens to come up with an upset, but it will not be easy at all. Mar Jackson hurt. Tyler Huntley hurt. Ugh. This is not great for the Ravens to go get this win. But I know the Ravens want to welcome Deshaun Watson into the fold in this particular football game. So I can't go against my heart and my head, so I'm going Ravens. I'll be right in front of the TV. I know you guys will. Cheering for the Baltimore Ravens to beat the Browns. Hopefully the Ravens get to 10-4. and And, of course, being underdog, they win, they cover. And then at night could be an absolute deluge of snow in Orchard Park, New York. Buffalo's favored by seven against the Dolphins. Mike McDaniel has talked about the weather not being a factor. He's wearing capri pants and shirts that say, we don't care, let it snow, whatever. I think the Bills hammer the Dolphins. I think the Dolphins are cooked. I think they're well done. I think the Bills take them to the woodshed and move one win closer to that over bet that I know some friends of mine have. So let's get that this week. Dolphins lose, fall to 8-6, Bills win. And seven-point favorite, I think the Bills win and cover that. This feels 24-6. Dolphins will have trouble in that snow. But the Bills, well, I don't say they're mutters, but they understand how to play in that snow, as does Josh Allen. So I'm going Bills to win and hope everybody's safe in Buffalo. My buddy Sal up there, hopefully he's going to be safe, and they're all going to be safe there in Overture Park. But should be fun. Nighttime NFL Network game. Buffalo's going to win and cover the seven. All right, Sunday game starting at noon. The Eagles go to the Chicago Bears. Philadelphia's a nine-point favorite on the road. The Bears, I, I feel like the Bears' track for the rest of this year is already set. I feel like there might be a win here or there, but they're going to be a 4-5 win team. That's an under. That's good. I think the Eagles win this. Now, they cover the nine. Yeah, I'm going to go with, with covering the nine. So, Eagles will win this by 10. I think the Bears will get some early, but in the end, the Eagles will take care of business. We'll win this by 10 to 14. So, give the Eagles a win and a cover. The Falcons are taking on the Saints. Desmond Ritter will start for the first time. The Falcons... And the Panthers are still in this thing behind the Buccaneers. The Bucs are 6-7. The Buccaneers got to play the Bengals. 
So a win here by the Falcons over the Saints can put them right really where they want to be, which is crazy to think about. But the Saints aren't going to let it happen. The Saints are going to get this win at home. Desmond Ritter is going to show some promise, but not all the way there. New Orleans is going to win this, and they're going to win this by a touchdown. 28-21, that's a cover. Saints winning cover. Lions taking on the Jets and Zach Wilson. Lions already won in MetLife this year. I think they're going to win again. They're favored by a point and a half. I think they disrupt Zach Wilson. I think this is a bad day for him. Turns the ball over. Lions win this thing, and they cover that one and a half in MetLife. Winning twice in MetLife. Wow, how about that? Steelers taking on the Panthers. Both teams 5-8. and eight. Steelers not in the AFC North race. Panthers are in the NFC South race. The Panthers are favored by three. And you know what? Why not? Let's make this thing sort of wild over in the NFC South. Let's give the Panthers a win and a cover and a Dave Tepper special. He was minority owner of the Steelers. Now he's the full-time owner of the Panthers. Panthers are going to win this. It won't be pretty. It's going to be like 17-12. But they're going to win in a cover at home. Cowboys-Jaguars is the sneakiest hot game in the week. Noon game in Jacksonville. Never know what the weather is going to be down there. Cowboys coming off a narrow victory last week against us. Jaguars housed the Tennessee Titans. Now they're going back to Duval County, and they got to show that they've got it. They can't play great one week, bad the next, great one week, bad the next. They got to take that step. Not sure they're going to take it. I think Dallas wins this one 34 27. Trevor keeps it close early, but Cowboys pull away late. Dallas wins and covers. Cardinals and Broncos. Ugh, Denver's favored by a point and a half. Why not? I mean, I don't know. I don't have any clue. Kyler Murray's hurt. We go Denver to win and cover that. Why not? Patriots taking on the Raiders. Patriots are 7 6 after Monday night win over the Cardinals. They got to go back on the road to take on the Raiders. I think the Raiders will get them. I think McDaniels will get a win over the boss, Bill Belichick, Las Vegas. A one-point favorite. Let's go. Let's almost pick them. Let's go Raiders to win. Let's go to 6-8 and eight at home. Titans and Chargers. Both teams are 7-6. and six. Now Tennessee's got to go out to Los Angeles. Chargers are coming off a win last week against the Miami Dolphins. I think they win at home, get to 8-6, and six, and that puts the Titans in a lot of trouble at 7-7. Seven and seven. And Chargers are three-point favorite. They'll cover. Bengals-Buccaneers. Fun game. Bengals going to Tampa Bay. Cincinnati's favored by three and a half. I think the Buccaneers are going to find something here. Finally, Bucks win in an upset at home. I don't know how, but they're going to do it and beat the Bengals. Commanders-Giants, they tied. They're both 7-5-1. It's a big game on Sunday night. Washington's favored by five at home. I'm taking the Commanders to win and cover that five. And Monday night, man, Rams-Packers. <laughs> Green Bay's favored by seven. Uh, give it to Packers. Packers by ten. Let's go with that. All right, those are your picks for this week. All right, coming up next, we've got Houston Methodist Minutes. We've got Nick Casario's scouting report of the Chiefs. And we got Drew Doherty's final word with Chris Moore next on Texans All Access. We got one final segment of this edition of Texans All Access. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter for your Houston Texans. So glad to be with you. We got a lot to do in this segment. So let's kick it off with some Houston Methodist Minutes with Mark Vandermeer and the great people over at Houston Methodist. Mark, take it away. It's Houston Methodist Minutes with Dr. Kors Jafardia. Doctor, how's it going today? Very good, thank you. Let's talk about wrist injuries because these happen to a lot of athletes, a lot of people in everyday life. Is this maybe the most common bone injury we see among the pedestrians of the world, doctor? Because people walk, they fall, they break their fall. Is that how it works? You tell me. It sure is, especially in sports and in the elderly population when they fall and try to catch themselves 
with an outstretched hand. But certainly in sports, when people fall, their initial instinct is to protect their head and the rest of their body and catch themselves with their arm. And that's where the wrist fractures come into play because that's, that's the most common uh, bone to get affected in these, in these injuries. So is a sprain a possibility here as well? What are the other less severe injuries? Yeah, so you can get sprains, you can get ligament injuries and tears, or you can just get a frank fracture. And sprains happen when you have the extremes of a flexed or extended wrist uh, in motion, basically. And then fractures, of course, fall, uh, occur with falls and with the, the load on the wrist. And then ligament tears are when the, when the joints stretch so much that the ligaments have to give way um, in, in an extreme situation. All right, what about elbow? Because I know you're an expert on this as well. For the common folk, for lack of a better way of putting it, excuse me for putting it that way, but what is the most common way to injure someone's elbow that you see? It's, it's again, a fallen, outstretched hand, but more so with the elbow locked and, and, and extended. And you can get fractures of the smaller bone in the elbow. You can get the triceps pulling on the bigger bone in the elbow and fracturing that one as well. And there's a lot of dislocations that happen around the elbow as well. It's a very common injury in the elbow to get dislocation. All right, so I know you're a hand expert in general here as well. I once injured a bone in my hand. I couldn't believe how many people are experts at this where you have to do hand therapy and all these different uh, treatments. Tell me what goes into that because I know it's probably a pretty complicated appendage, right? Yeah, so there are so many small bones in the hands and fingers. You know, each finger has four bones and the thumb has three and there's eight bones in the wrist. So altogether, there's a lot of moving parts and a lot of ligaments holding those bones together and then tendons crossing over the joints and the ligaments. So altogether, whenever you have these injuries, these all have to move and glide uh, properly and, and without getting too much scar tissue. And so there's a delicate balance when you have injuries like you had. And that's why the therapists come into play and they get the, the patients and the, and the athletes moving earlier and more properly so that the scar tissue doesn't ensue. Dr. Great information. Thank you very much for joining us. Sure thing. Dr. Course Jafarnia from Houston Methodist. It's the official healthcare provider of the Houston Texans, Houston Methodist leading medicine. Great stuff there, Mark. Appreciate that. Now, one of the things that I have done every single week since we have had Nick Casario weekly in studio the last couple of years, we get to a point where we've talked about the previous week's game and then it's, okay, let's turn the page to the next team. Nick, give us the scouting report. And this is always – I even say this in the interview when I ask the question here of Nick. I, I, I want to know if I've missed something when I'm going back and I'm looking. And so if there's a name that he says or there's somebody that he mentions, and I'm like, oh, wait a second, I need to make sure I mention that guy I know your foe or I need to go watch and make sure that I'm, I'm capturing all the information. Nick does a great job. Of breaking it down. So we got a little two-parter here with Nick. It's all one big thing. Because I asked him the question, give us the scouting report in the Chiefs. He gives us that. But then I asked him how the team has changed, the Chiefs have changed, with no Tyreek. Take a listen. I mean, look, everybody talks about um, Patrick and Kelsey, and rightfully so. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say the one thing about Kelsey, he's actually gotten better as a player. I know, not that, you know, Cal- Travis is a really good player. But I think he's kind of evolved as a player. Um, he's a difficult to match up as there is in the league. So in the way they displace him, the way they use him, he's just such a very instinctive, savvy player with really good hands. Yep. And there's a trust factor that built has been built up between him and Mahomes. 
So everybody talks about those two players, and rightfully so. They're probably two of the best players at their respective positions in the league. I'd say just to touch briefly on Patrick, the way he kind of manipulates and maneuvers within the pocket is probably kind of what separates him in addition to just his overall awareness and instinctiveness. He has a way to kind of move up and out and slide, and he's looking to throw when he runs, which not all quarter, quarterbacks are doing that. So in addition to all his physical skills and attributes, were, which are immense, his ability to kind of understand and his instinctiveness and ability to play is kind of very unique. But they've kind of reshaped the offensive line a little bit when you actually look at it, so kind of right to left. So Wiley, you know, who's kind of been – a swing guy now he's playing right tackle um you know he drafted trey smith who we you know was a, a 2021 draft and he had a medical condition there was some not sure if he could play and he basically has been a starter day one um they drafted humphrey last year um in, a, in the second round which is a player that we actually like we thought we might have a chance there at the bottom of the round and then they actually ended up drafting him and bolton <laughs> you know so it's a way the cookie crumbles sometimes and then they signed Tooney, you know, who, uh, you know, we have experience, I have experience with there in New England, and they traded for Orlando. So kind of have reshaped over the last year or two the offensive line, um, and they've really gotten really pr- good production from Pacheco. I mean, here's a yeah, guy, yeah. seventh-round draft pick, not highly thought of. They have Edward Salier. Edward Salier's kind of been hurt um, or what have you. So Pacheco goes in there, and he's been kind of one of their better offensive players here the last however many weeks. So between him and McKinnon, they kind of have a good one-two punch there. Kelsey, you know, and then the receivers, they've kind of rotated a number of players through there. You're starting to see Sky Moore play more, more opportunities. Juju's playing more inside the formation, inside Valdez Scantling. So it's maybe necessarily about one particular player. It's a combination of all their skill players, which puts a lot of stress on the defense. So they've done a great, great job of kind of using everybody. Um, and, you know, they're hard to defend, obviously. Um, and then defensively, you know, with Spags, I mean, Spags has a long history with Coach Reed. Going back to Philadelphia, um, Spags has been a really good defensive coordinator in this league for a long time. I mean, he, you know, unfortunately was with the Giants a couple of those years when, you know, we played yeah. him in the Super Bowl. Um, but Spags has a very, I would say, distinct style of how he wants to play, very aggressive, um, pressure-minded coach. They play more press coverage than any team in the league. So they kind of play to how they play, and they have a certain, I would say, profile of what they look for in the secondary. Um, and they're playing essentially like four, three or four rookies at corner. So McDuffie's playing a lot. Um, Watson's played. They're playing Williams, a Fayetteville State kid who they took in the yep. fourth round. So they're playing. Sneed is an interesting guy. You know, was a safety slash corner at La Tech. Kind of started safety, then they moved to corner. Um, but they're big, long, and fast. I mean, all of them, except for McDuffie are six foot and above, 195, 200 pounds, and are all fast. All right, and they're good at the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, Justin's done a good job for them here as well. And the Thornhill's kind of been, I'd say, a steadying presence or force. So their secondary, they've kind of reshaped the whole corner position. A lot of younger players added a couple of veterans here and there. And then in the front, I mean, really, it starts with Bolton and I would say Chris Jones. I mean, those two players, Bolton is as good of a linebacker as in the league. I don't think anybody really talks about him that much, but he's very instinctive. He's very aware. He's a great communicator, leads your team in tackles. I mean, he's basically played since day one. And then Jones is a matchup problem wherever you put him, whether he's inside, whether he's outside, and you know, defensive end. He can rush from the perimeter. He can rush inside, which not a lot of guys can do that. You know, and they've gotten good production from Carl Loftus here, um, you know, as well. Um, and then Frank Clark. So, again, it, when you look at their team, it's you think, well, it's a veteran kind of experienced team. It is. But they're playing as many rookies probably as we are um, in, throughout mm. the course of the season. So it's kind of interesting when you look at their team. Nick, along those lines – 
Pacheco wears 10, and you watch him on film, and you're like, boy, he looks like Tyreek. But obviously, <laughs> yeah. Tyreek is not there. How is the offense in, in what you've studied? How has the offense for Kansas City evolved without Tyreek? With ju- well, I shouldn't say just Kelsey, but you mentioned those guys. They're different. They're not Tyreek, though. How has the offense sort of evolved without him? Yeah, I think there's been a like maybe bigger distribution of targets. I mean, target uh, the, Kelsey is the most targeted player offensively, so it's kind of Kelsey to Juju, um, and then they've kind of reallocated some of the other throws. Valdez Scantling kind of has the things that he does well. I mean, one guy they've actually gotten decent production out of, who's kind of different, but like Chris Moore, kind of in his backup role is Watson. Yep. You know, a kid from Penn that yep. was down in Tampa Bay. So they just vary. They have a very number of ways that they can actually attack a defense. They're primarily an 11 personnel team, so the formations are pretty much opened up formations, but they do a good job of using motion and kind of putting people in spots. And then Patrick is so in tune with what's going on mentally, he can anticipate. Um, but there's certainly a trust factor, you know, with between him and Kelsey. Not that he doesn't trust the other players, but in critical situations, I mean, Kelsey's the go-to guy. And even when you think you have him doubled, <laughs> he still makes the play. So they just put a lot of stress and a lot of tax on the defense. So you're just going to have to make sure that – I mean, you can't – look, you can't defend everybody. You just have to be disciplined, understand maybe some of the concepts. They might repeat during the course of the game um, and just try to see if you can disrupt the quarterback the best you can. But he does a good job, like we, like I said, of kind of maneuvering around. And at times it's really hard, you know, hard to get to him. Great stuff there from Nick. And one of the guys that he actually mentions or one of the names that he mentioned was a Texan. That's Chris Moore. Well, how about Drew Doherty's? Final word this evening with the receiver who set a career mark last week with 10 receptions, a career mark in yards, 124 yards, and he downed a punt at the one, and he had a tackle on special teams. Chris Moore does a little bit of everything, and he talked about this one with Drew Drew's final word. Chris, good to be with you. Coming off a game against the Dallas Cowboys, career best in catches, 10. Career best in yards, you cracked the 100-yard mark. I say you got in for that touchdown, but what was it like getting that opportunity and, and really seizing the moment and taking the most of it? Yeah, like you said, when you get that opportunity on the field, you just got to make the most of it. And at the end of the day, whenever I'm out there, I'm really just trying to help this team win. And I try to give it my all, so anytime they call my number, I was just trying to make a play. And it's clear you've never lacked for confidence since you since you got here, and certainly if you made it to the NFL. But does that even help boost it a little bit after what you're able to do? Oh, for sure. It just in your head it solidifies like what you it erases really the doubts. Like if you ever doubted yourself, that just solidifies like man, you belong here. That you can make these plays and you can go out there and really play at a high level. Okay, late in the season, you're back at home. You're playing against a really good Chiefs team. Take the Chiefs out of the equation though. What do the Texans need to do to get a victory and get back in the win column? Yeah, at the end of the game, we just really got to finish. We got to execute. I mean, we had opportunities so many times this year at the end of the game to win the game, and we just didn't execute and finish the game. So, really, that's all we got to do. Get some get some points in the fourth quarter. You know, it was interesting in talking to you after the game. You were asked about the uh, two quarterback system. It's very unique. May or may not see it against the Chiefs, but you all were able to not really get slowed down at all. And you talked about, hey, execution was pretty much flawless. Is that just a matter of practicing it and, and having a good game plan? Yeah, it was a great game plan going into the game. And then when we were doing our walkthroughs or even during practice throughout the week, I feel like everybody was locked in and detailed on what those assignments for those plays were. Especially when you have two different quarterbacks, there's a lot of different things going on. And the O-line got to do different cadences and stuff. And it's just, it's just a whole different thing for everybody. So for us to go out there and execute like we did was pretty impressive. And it wasn't like you were only catching big balls from Davis Mills or big ones from Jeff Driscoll. You were catching from both guys, and that wasn't just you, right? Yeah, I mean, all the receivers 
caught some great passes from both quarterbacks. They both delivered us great opportunities to make plays. And I feel like that always just goes back from training camp, just reps you get in there. You never realize how important those are until you get into that moment. Like we've had preseason. I played with Jeff. I played with yeah. Davis. I played all of them. So those reps really mattered. Yeah, pays dividends a few months after the fact. Hey, tell me about this Chiefs secondary. What's the most impressive aspect of, of that back group there? They're, they're a unit together. They, they play well. All of all of the, the DBs and the safeties are connected. So it's not easy just to throw plays out there and trick them or anything. They're a really solid and smart group. You've played for other NFL teams. You're going to see a guy who played here last year. You overlapped with him in Justin Reed. You'll be going against him. I'm sure you went against him in practice plenty of times. Yeah. What's it like when you see an old teammate like that, especially a guy like him? Yeah, I mean, it's just nice. one, it's nice to see a teammate like that. But two, you kind of know a little bit about them, especially when they're on the opposite side of the ball. You've seen them in practice. You've seen how they get ready for a game. So I feel like you know a little bit more, but they also know a little bit more about you. So it's going to be fun to match up against them. All right. Other than a victory, what are you asking Santa for Christmas? What am I asking Santa for Christmas? Shoot. I don't know. I don't really ask for much. I got you got everything you want. Yeah, the victory really would be it. That's all you can ask for. How about your little ones? What are they asking Santa for? Shoot, it was really my wife asking, getting stuff for her because she <laughs> she's not to the age where she can really ask for stuff yet. So right. it's my wife asking for stuff for her. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. She's she's playing the game. Yeah. I, I appreciate it. Well, hope you play a great game against the Chiefs. Best of luck, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Appreciate it. Chris Moore has over the last two years risen my ranks of favorite Texans player I mean of all time I mean he has been absolutely phenomenal I love the guy he plays with such passion he plays with such heart he can do it on special teams he does an offense I mean Chris Moore does a little bit of everything he is so great to have around and hopefully another 10 catches are coming his way on Sunday because there's no Nico Collins there's no Brandon Cooks there's no Damian Pierce somebody's got to move the football offensively and hopefully that's going to be Chris Moore and a big thanks to Chris to Drew to Nick Casario for his scouting report, to the great doctors of Houston Methodist, to Mark Vandermeer, to Lovey Smith, to Joshua Briscoe, to D.P. Sidhu, to all of you for listening. We will see you on Sunday. Happy holidays. Eh, we'll have time to say that next week, but, you know, it's this weekend, so why not? Happy holidays. Have a great weekend. We'll see you Sunday. Kickoff is at noon. Get in your seats. Wear your blue, not your red. And we'll see you for, hopefully, a win over the Chiefs. Boy, that would be nice, wouldn't it? A nice holiday gift from the NRG, from NRG Stadium would be great. We'll see you then, everybody. And as always, go Texans.